summer's over, and now's the time to winterize your aircraft and your flight operation. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news and information, coming to you on location at NBAA Base 2022. Now, here in Orlando, as we're recording this podcast, it's currently sunny in a balmy 70 degrees, basically perfect weather. But up north, they've already seen cold and snowy conditions, much more in keeping with January than October. And that means business aviation flight operations must once again grapple with the realities of winter and how it can mess with our flying plans and our aircraft. For tips on dealing with the challenges of winter, I'm pleased to welcome today a panel of guests who are very familiar with cold weather operations. Ed Mersko is Manager of Maintenance for 3M Aviation. Ryan Rattel is a pilot and subject matter expert for Advanced Aircrew Academy. And we'll begin with Chris Bain, Manager of Global Aviation Maintenance for John Deere. Chris, what are some steps you take in your operation when the forecast starts turning colder? We start putting the collapsible crates in the back so that the crews have a way of getting water and pop that we carry on board for stocking the galley off the airplane if they're going to be sitting in freezing temperatures. Of course, we do a pretty good review of the winter ops procedures as well, and that just kind of gets everybody's mindset working towards winter weather. Do you take any special steps to prepare aircraft systems to deal with winter weather? Airplanes are designed to work in, you know, minus 70 temperatures in flight. So the biggest thing is protecting the potable water systems and the, and the lavatory and toilet systems when they're on the ground. So those things are designed already to be purged in freezing weather. So just being familiar with the procedures is number one. Ed, you already have snow on the ground up in St. Paul, Minnesota. What steps did your operation take to prepare for cold weather operations? The uh, things that we encounter most is there's a change of risk as far as maintenance operations and flight operations just at home base, moving snow, moving the aircraft on snowy ramps, de-icing the aircraft. It introduces a whole new level of risk that you really have to be aware of and uh, be prepared to manage. Ryan, what steps do you take when preparing to operate an aircraft in winter weather? And can you tell us about some of the resources you use when planning a flight in winter conditions? It begins with doing the homework a few days before the flight. If you know your city pairs that you're going to be flying to, you know, you can call the FBO up ahead of time. And, you know, if there's a chance of some uh, winter weather going through those uh, locations, you can ask the FBO, hey, what specific brand name fluids have you purchased for this upcoming winter season? Do you have a de-ice truck? What type of services do you have available at the airport? And just get a better idea on when you're away from home base, the available tools you have at your disposal. Through the spring, summer, fall season, most likely you're not using some of the uh, OEM's cold weather manual procedures. So a good opportunity to review that and dust the cobwebs off of some of those less used checklist items. More in just a moment. But first, this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, your podcast is ready everywhere. You can download it from iTunes, ask your smart speaker to give you a listen, or hear it in any car with Apple's CarPlay. NBAA Flight Plan, available anytime, anywhere. We're back now with Chris Bain, Ed Mersko, and Ryan Rattel, and our conversation about preparing your flight operation for winter weather conditions. Ryan, how might flight crews work with the maintenance side of their flight operation to prepare an aircraft for the winter or lay out a game plan on operating the aircraft during these conditions? 
Every flight department's unique. I know of some flight departments where maintenance will coordinate with the uh, crew ahead of time and perhaps anti-ice the aircraft in the hangar, you know, so that it has that type four on the surface before it gets pushed out into active ground icing conditions. Or it could just be as straightforward as items to take off the airplane and having the, a place to store them. The aluminum cans, if uh, frozen, would uh, definitely uh, spill the contents all over the cabin. Other items such as uh, the AED, you know, making sure that gets off the airplane so that the batteries don't freeze over so it's always ready to work. So there's always a lot of uh, small little things that uh, can be done. You know, some good flight departments will have a, a checklist that will uh, help remind them of those things as the uh, season rolls around. That's a great point about the automated external defibrillator, or anything really powered by batteries on the aircraft. That's something you might not think about until it's too late. Ed, what about preparing the passengers for a flight during winter? Applying the Type 4 in the hangar, we've started doing that maybe three years ago, and that's really been kind of a game changer for us as far as winter ops. I think it takes a lot of the stress out of a departure on a snowy day. When it's snowing out, we have a heated Type 1 truck, and the holdover time is so short, everybody was in a rush to get the passengers on, get the aircraft de-iced out on the ramp. And then they only had so much time to, to get off the ground. And I think when you rush, that lends itself to making mistakes. Where the Type 4 now, we have to coordinate and, and pre-fuel the aircraft the night before, before the weather hits, because you can't apply it when the aircraft's wet. But being able to apply the product in the hangar they can be board the passengers in the hangar. We push the airplane out and they can take off. They have plenty of hold over time. In addition to that, you use a lot less product. <laughs> I think when to de-ice an aircraft, depending on how much snow it has with a type one, it's over a hundred gallons of fluid applied to the aircraft. When you're applying the type four, I don't know, we probably use maybe about 20 gallons on the aircraft. So it's a lot more friendly to the environment. And a lot friendlier to the budget too, I'd imagine. Chris, what else do you do at your operation? A lot goes into the, the briefing ahead of time. And uh, we even have a, a little online tool we use to give notes on briefing times. People who are be involved in the briefing prior to the flight. That's how we talk about if we're going to do the anti-ice in the hangar. We use the same type of, you know, type 4 fluid. We use, actually use like a generic type 4 in the hangar and we'll apply that before the airplane ever goes outside, which... It's like what Ed said, you know, it takes a lot of the drama out of the departure, you know, when, when there's actually a light snow or something, you know, actually weather event actually happening. So that's a huge savings to talk about those things ahead of time. Brief about your destination, how cold it's going to be. Are we going to purge the water or are we everything? Or are we just going to purge the lines and leave the water in the tank? So, you know, the cold weather ops manual has some good guidance on, you know, how cold it can be to actually leave the water in the water tank and purge everything else. Those are all good discussions we have during the, the pre-flight briefing. That's something else I might not have thought about, really, of getting that water out of the line so it doesn't freeze on board and really cause some problems. Yes, significant problems and significant expense to fix it. Indeed. Now, Ryan, let's say you're in the air and heading to your destination. The forecast might have already indicated to expect winter conditions on arrival, but you've just received an updated weather report and it's looking even worse. How can you adapt your plan in response to changing conditions and what tools do you use in making that decision to continue on or perhaps reroute to an alternate? 
Your uh, question immediately brings me back to the accident in uh, Chicago Midway back in December 2005. And that was the real catalyst that had the FAA take a, a real close look at the, at the time, current procedures on how the flight crew is evaluating their destination uh, landing performance. And the FAA came together and formed that TALPA ARC committee, the Takeoff and Landing Performance Assessment. Basically, they restructured the way runway conditions are being reported to the flight crew uh, using the RCAM matrix. And one of their big uh, key points they were driving home, which is highlighted in the uh, SAFO, it's been since revised. The, the more current one is uh, 1609. One of the flight crew at the top of descent to take a second look at their performance using the most current updated weather and recalculate their uh, landing performance and make that go-no-go decision if the weather has gotten worse and the reported braking action on the runway. Do we actually have the field length, the landing distance available to stop on the runway? And if not, you know, you need to be ready with that plan B and divert to your alternate. A lot of changes have come from that and I think all for the better. And it's always good to review that coming into the season. Ed, how else can cold weather affect the aircraft itself? They don't like to be sitting unpowered in cold weather. Once you get them powered up and in their running state, they're fine. But it's when you leave them overnight someplace and you don't prepare them, like blowing out the water systems and taking all the feasible stuff off the aircraft. The only other thing that we see is sometimes we've had problems with drain masts not working and you build up ice on the side of a drain mast and it flies off and hits the side of the aircraft. We've dented an inlet cowl from ice coming off the forward drain mast. A big chunk of ice came off. So you will incur damage just from ice flying off the aircraft. Yeah, you'll see some unusual things, you know, when you do a start in really cold weather. I, I can recall starting in 25 below weather on a G5, and you'll actually see messages that you'll, you've will you never seen before. <laughs> when the engine actually starts, you know, it'll have a core temperature message. You know, it takes about a few minutes for that, even that core of that engine to heat up to a level where the EEC says it's okay, you know, to operate. So th there's a lot of things. Valves sometimes can act sticky, you know, when it gets cold. You know, you just think about your car. It's the same kind of thing after it's sat out in the cold weather all night. Things just don't want to open and work, you know, like they normally do. So you have to be patient. You know, I know the screens in the cockpit, the, the avionics, they don't recommend powering those up when it's 40 below. You, they want you to get that cabin warmed up before you power up some of those screens. So, yeah, there's a lot of little things like that that can come up. And that's something else that might catch crews unaware if they aren't checking that cold ops manual. Do you have a particular story, Chris, of a time when cold weather caught you by surprise, or perhaps another crew? We had a situation, actually it was a visiting aircraft on our ramp a number of years ago. They came in and they parked the airplane and I, they set the brakes and then they left the airplane for, you know, four or five hours and then they came back out, they got it fired up and their people got on board and they went to leave and the brakes were frozen. You know, it was zero out and those brakes had sat, set, you know, like that for four or five hours. And they had to use almost takeoff power to break that free. So those brakes will freeze on the ramp just if you leave them set. So I think that's in the cold weather ops manual as well. You're better off just don't set the parking brake, just chalk the airplane and, and, and let it cool off that way. And don't wet wash your airplane in the winter. 
Oh, wow. Excellent point, Ed. Do you have a tale to share about winter weather leading to unintended consequences? A lot of the stuff that I've seen is, you know, the airplanes live inside when they're home. So most of the stuff we see is call-ins from the crews when they have the airplanes out of town. But they get anything from one of the engine fire bottles will read low and they'll get a low pressure indication. But they just have to wait for the APU to run and the, and the aft compartment to heat up for the pressure to go back up because it's, you know, it was reading right on the edge of being too low, but it was enough when it was cold to trip it. And also we've, we've seen before where they've had the aircraft parked on ice and it gives a false reading to the radio altimeters on the ground and it cut, the airplane thinks it's in the air and all kinds of crazy stuff happens when it's on the ground and the radio altimeters are telling it's flying. So we see that kind of stuff. Ryan, what about from the flight deck? The first thing that I remember last winter, we were up in uh, Canada and we had to reposition the jet. It was a smaller airport to uh, get de-iced. And, you know, with the RCAM charts, it's always referring to the, the runway and the condition of the runway, but it doesn't address the condition of the ramps or the taxiways. And I remember this one evening, we were repositioning the jet over near the uh, de-ice operation was happening. And the ramp to the parking spot was just a sheet of ice. And we want to make the turn into the back alleyway. And the plane was just drifting sideways down, down the ramp. And it was totally out of our control. So it was uh, definitely very eye-opening to taxi very slow, take your time. And uh, when in doubt, just stop and ask the de-ice trucks to reposition over you or use your due diligence because definitely can get uh, interesting very quickly. That story reminds me of listening to ATC recordings online a few years back. They were from an airport near where I grew up in the Midwest. A 737 came in and reported on frequency that the taxiway was slippery as they turned off the runway. Right after that, another company airliner landed on the same runway, taxied off at the same location, and promptly slid right into the grass. That kind of demonstrated the importance of relaying that information and making sure other pilots are aware of it. Absolutely. There's so many various aspects, or uh, I refer to you know the Swiss cheese model with the uh, air management in the winter time, that it really behooves a, a crew to slow down and take their time in the winter time. One thing I always like speaking about is a lot of the uh, airplanes we're flying now have uh, Ifoqua, which is measuring you know very precisely how uh, the airplane's being flown, and if a flight crew has a habit pattern of holding the plane off for a smooth landing and using a little extra uh, uh, distance in their landing flare to, to get that smooth landing, that habit pattern is going to carry over into the wintertime. Whereas you may need that extra 700 to 1,000 feet for your calculations. So practicing that precision in the summertime uh, pays off in the wintertime in flying a precise approach and landing. Indeed. Chris? It's really getting, you know, the mindset built that everybody's ready. Any given day, I mean, we had snowflakes yesterday, so it's coming, and we just need to get ready. I'll just uh, reinforce what's already been said about the Swiss cheese model. In aviation, we're creatures of habit, and we're driven by our repetitive processes. And when we get into trouble is when they get interfered with or we make last-minute changes. And the, and the big problem I see with winter ops is you just don't change your procedures for the whole winter season. One day it's snowing, then next week it's it's not snowing, and then you're kind of back to normal departures and arrivals. Then the next flight, it might be snowing again. So you never really totally switch over to winter ops. You go back and forth. 
And I think that's where you really have to watch because you don't really you don't really have a chance to develop a routine in winter operations. It's not summer or winter. It's it's summer and then it's a snowstorm here. Then you're okay for a while. Then it snows again or there's an ice storm or something. So you don't really totally change over into winter ops, at least for maintenance. We don't. And if your flying takes you to cold and snowy locations in the coming months, be sure to check out NBAA's weather resource at nbaa.org forward slash weather. It offers a wealth of information about operating through winter and other adverse weather conditions. Pilots are also encouraged to review NBAA's detailed explanation of the takeoff and landing performance assessment that Ryan mentioned at nbaa.org forward slash talpa. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.